Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. I'm Dee, the managing editor at Anifem, and I am joined today by fellow Anifem staffers, Peter and Vry. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm an associate producer at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anifem. Title change. <laughs> it's fun to track those through the old episodes. That's like a fun Easter egg is, what does Peter do at Crunchyroll this week? <laughs> producer sounds a lot uh, nicer. It makes me sound like I'm doing crazy things that I'm really not doing. I assume you're, like, sitting on a bed of money smoking a cigar. Something like that. Making those big uh, anime live-action movie adaptation deals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, hey, I'm Vry. I'm a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. I am on the internet. You can find the places that I freelance by going to my Twitter, at Writer Vry, and checking the pinned tweet. Or you can find the other podcast I co-host by going to at TrashPod. Oh, right. And uh, you can hang out with me on Twitter at JoseNextDoor. That is J-O-S-E-I, not I-E. That's a point of confusion. A lot, turns out. Um, And today we are checking in with the fall 2019 uh, anime season. Now, we are recording this about a week before it's going to go live. So folks at home, um, if something wild happens in the next week in the shows and you're wondering why we didn't talk about it, that's why. Um, our scheduling just kind of worked out this way. But we, st- we still got definitely to the midway point, so we'll have up through episode six or seven of a bunch of shows. And this was a very busy season, uh, sequel heavy and then a lot of new stuff that we were tentatively excited for going in. And so this week we get to check and see how all that is holding up. I will jump through we're gonna go off this like we usually do the premiere digest we sort of rank the shows based on uh different feminist relevant concerns and uh what's the word positives (laughs) and woo can anyone at home tell i am sleepy today uh and so we're gonna use that list kind of starting from the bottom and working our way up with the uh, red flag shows and some of the sort of pit of shame shows as we uh, somewhat lovingly, jokingly, I don't know, some word, refer to them as. I'm not watching any of those. Uh, Peter Vry, is there anything in that, um, in those lower categories that you wanted to bring up in terms of maybe it did something surprise that surprised you in a good or a bad way, or you just really need to holler about a thing? Um, anything in there that... Not super. I ended up dropping Kimono Michi because it kind of hit that plateau where it stopped doing the cool, neat, gimmicky things that I was there for and all that I was left with is stuff that was either mediocre or kind of shitty. So ended up dropping that one after episode three. Um, Kandagawa Jet Girls is still a show that I'm watching and have no excuse for watching. It... I... I don't know how to report to y'all on the baiting front. Uh, It did replicate the Yuri on Ice shot, which is fucking bold if it's not going to go anywhere with it. Oh, wow. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. It's, uh, it missed an episode because of the hurricane, so it's only on episode five. So it's still doing, like, the weekly episode. Here's a new batch of, of girls with large boobs doing, um doing jet races. I will say that the visuals have kind of tanked. (laughs) But I'm still watching it, and I couldn't tell you why, nor do I recommend that anybody else watch it. Right, we know why you're watching it. You're watching it because it's gay. Yeah. That's why you're watching it. Yeah, that's why. That's entirely why. <laughs> and that is fine. So I'm, I'm glad it is, it is scratching that particular itch for you. 
It's a dry desert of a season, man. Sometimes you gotta suck on a cactus to live. No. <laughs> and with that ringing endorsement, uh, Peter, anything in those in that bottom chunk that you wanted to highlight? I don't think that our uh, first episode review of Orisuki really did justice to how awful it is and how much all the characters are awful and they deserve every bad thing that happens to them. Uh, which is fine. I like watching Always It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, except that it insists that um, all the characters are somehow good, especially the main character, who is easily the worst of them. Not quite sure why it can't just be about shitty people, especially since it seems to be genre-aware. Kimono Michi, I'm still watching, uh, but I do agree with Vry. It's kind of like fallen into this thing where it's just like they're always trying to get money, which isn't very interesting anymore since it's just like the same problems. Lots of animals, not enough money. Kind of had one joke and uh, stopped caring enough to try to execute it with a plum. Yeah, same thing with happened with Cautious Hero, where it's just like, it, it, he's not, it still wants him to be cool as well as ridiculously cautious, so he can't do anything too outlandish or be made to look a fool. So he just ends up like blowing up corpses 800 times to be too cautious or spending like eight hours doing push-ups in a room, neither of which is very entertaining. So it's like they ran out of their two jokes already which is a little disappointing since both I thought kind of had, uh, Komodo Michi had a much stronger start, but I thought cautious hero, at least the, the goddess was really entertaining, I guess. Manace, uh, had a, an extremely graphic sexual assault scene, probably even more lovingly animated than Sword Art Online Alicization. Oh, shit. So it went from being like a dumpster pit to like legitimately triggering. Uh, yeah, that episode was it keeps like going between the awful things happening to people and then this sort of lighthearted spunky kids doing stuff. It's very tonally dissonant. But that scene sort of really stood out to me. So yeah, I'd, I'd say be very cautious of it if that sort of stuff bothers of you. Uh, bothers you? What am I saying? <laughs> Maybe we're all tired. It's today. been a long week. Uh, I, I forgot to average abilities. Folks, I dropped it after episode three. Folks in the Discord have been saying that uh, the scare the horrible pedophile lady hasn't come back in subsequent episodes but here's the thing i don't care the show lost my trust pretty thoroughly she's gone and it's become mostly like nerdy pop culture references in this like fantasy world sphere um Uh, i think the show got a lot better actually light novel readers have said that those first three episodes did a weird hack job and and like the the horrible pedophile character isn't even in the novels i have heard that Uh, yeah and again, none of us can 100% confirm this, so like, you know, careful at home, folks. But it sounds like the anime made some weird choices, um, and maybe maybe the reason the show started to get better was they went back to the source material, which, like, again, a lot of people I know seem to really like, and nobody had mentioned those as issues when they were recommending the light novels to me, so um, that might be what's going on there. Make of that what you, what you all will. I actually think it's it's really, like, kind of a it's become kind of a tokusatsu thing because that seems to be uh, Miles's like fandom. So she keeps inventing new spells just based off of like, uh, I don't know, different uh, like common shows, stuff like that, Sentai, and uh, using those techniques. There's one guy who has a golem that pieces itself together from many disparate parts, and she starts screaming because they're doing a build-up transformation sequence, uh, and then Rocket punches her, and she's very happy about that. Um, that just that kind of shit. Uh, they do do this weird thing where it's like one of the girls has a very tragic backstory where her parents were murdered, and then she was taken in by some adventurers who were also murdered, and 
it was like yeah it had the you know the intense music playing zoom ins on her like crying as like she sees blood fountain out of her loved one's chest and then it just cuts back to all the girls kind of looking very nonplussed and (laughs) just kind of like oh so that's your tragic backstory huh um like i don't know what the point of that was it's it's a very proud of how genre aware it is that show which it sounds like it's uh, it was already getting a little tiring when i dropped it it sounds like it gets more that hmm perhaps it's yeah it's like just hijinks now yeah well if, um, i mean if that's people's thing then that's that's good i've just i am at capacity for that yeah. particular joke especially with isekai stories it feels like all the isekai shows this season are just like random genre where hijinks which i guess is what the genre might have devolved into at this point no we are we're definitely at that point in the life cycle of the isekai fad is uh the parody stuff but my thing is if your idea of a parody is to just call it out and then do nothing new with it. It's that's not actually clever. It gets exhausting pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, um, it sounds like abilities has at least become sort of a pleasant um, cotton candy type show, and that's fine. Um, as long as the as long as the lesbian pedophile isn't in there anymore. Oh, yeah. uh, that was the big episode three was the last appearance. So, and no other problematic characters that I can think of since. Oh, that's a relief. Mm-hmm. So, Dee, tell me about the nice man gun head. <laughs> uh, yeah, Peter, are you caught up on that one too? I know you, you started it, but I'm on episode four, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, I am. I am fully caught up on uh, no guns life, or as Vry calls it, man gun head. Um, I mean, you really have to kind of enjoy pulpy genre mashups, I think, to appreciate this one. And obviously, not everyone's going to. Um, I, by and large, have a good time with it, although I will say the last couple of episodes have started to lose me, and I'm hoping that it's just a sort of sophomore slump in the manga writing, because a lot of the time that'll happen with long-running manga, where they start off with, like, a cool idea, and then they suddenly have to serialize it week to week, and things get a little rough as they figure out what the hell they're doing, and then it finds a groove, and then it can, then it either falls apart, or it becomes something really fun. So I'm hoping this one is, is going to find its mold, its groove in another episode or two. Uh, so two things happened in the last couple episodes. The first is the side characters have all kind of been shuffled to the side. Um, so they can introduce um, these other big organizations that uh, Juzo, Mangunhead, uh, is interacting with. And they've brought in some kind of interesting characters, but I think the show is at its best when it's focusing on that sort of core uh, found family vibe that it had going in the first few episodes um, with uh, Juzo and I have forgotten the kid who he rescues name and also Mary uh, Tetsudo Tetsudo um, and so the fact that it's the fact that it's gotten away from that I think that was sort of the heart of the show and so I'm hoping it, it returns to that heart um, the other thing is we have spent a little bit more time with Juzo's uh, trans landlady and she is very much a uh, your pretty typical anime uh, parody character in terms of like constantly talking about how cute the boys are in a way that's like not a, not a hundred percent threatening. Like I don't get the sense you're not supposed to read her as like a bad guy, but like she's definitely supposed to be read as like oh weird, 
and it's exhausting and made me angry. Um, thankfully, she hasn't been in it much, so um, I was able to kind of get past it, but I could totally understand if folks were just like, no, fuck you, and just turned it off at that point. Um, other than that, I mean, other kind of feminist-relevant flags, uh, there's a decent bit of, like, cheesecake. I mean, as you noted with the first episode, Vry, um, there's a lot of ladies with their boobs out a bit, um... It doesn't really bother me because they all appear to be adults. Um, they all have internal lives and backstories and like things they are doing other than having their boobs out. Like there's a new character who gets brought in in the last couple episodes who is a very busty uh, to the point where it seems like every time they draw her, her boobs get a little bit closer to falling out of her shirt. <laughs> um, but they've already established that she has that she has like a complicated like history um a relationship with like a working relationship with juzo she runs this organization and is very dedicated to trying to keep a balance between um they're tamping down on extended violence like they're trying to stop these extendeds who have kind of gone berserk but she's trying to keep it from turning into just like mass discrimination of oh we're just going to incarcerate all of them because we don't trust them uh so she works with juzo on that front um, so, like, it's not like she's just a pair of boobs walking around, like, she has a character, so it doesn't really bother me that, uh, the way she's drawn is kind of cheesecakey. And there are some shots that they, the cameraman clearly wants to lovingly frame her butt, um, but, eh, I don't know, it's just, I can't get worked up about that. Sometimes in um, life you have to pick your battles. <laughs> to be fair, she's very confident and kind of owns it in a way that doesn't, again, like, not a real human being, can't actually own her sexuality, but, like, that sort of, that sort of, uh, like, TNA sexiness, especially in, like, a noir series, it, it just doesn't really bother me. Um, I'll get it if it bothers other folks, but the, the, the trans landlady was the, was the big kicker for me Mm -hmm. in these last couple episodes. Um, maybe I'll, uh, wait to hear from you to see if it sticks the landing before I go back and catch up. Yeah, I'm curious to see where this current arc is going and how they're gonna they're gonna work Tetsudo and uh, Mary back into the story because it was, I think it was much better when it was when it had more of an ensemble vibe to it. I like those good um, kids and they're but they're yeah, I'm bad. still I'm still mostly enjoying it. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. I think the next one, Peter, did you want to say anything about the new Fate anime, Babylonia? Uh, it's <laughs> there's not too much. It's like Fate at its worst, where it's just. Oh, okay. The, the, the main character has no personality. It's like Fate, uh, Blade Works, or uh, yeah, main character. It, it is the main character from the mobile game. So it's the one who doesn't have any personality. All of their decisions are based off of your own choices, and then they don't make any commitment to a personality when they convert it to an anime. So mm-hmm. they're chill. And they picked the dude protagonist because they're cowards. Yep, and that that as well. So it's just this blank slate character. Mash is a very just like. I want to make people happy and I'm, I don't know, it, like that archetype where it's just, they'll do anything they can to help people because they, all they have in their body is compassion. Um, so like nothing they do is ever surprising. And then they keep on showing up, like just characters pop in and out and blow stuff up and it's well animated, but kind of, I don't know that, that, and just a bunch of uh, expository dialogue that literally doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, like, yeah. No, that sounds like a Fate series. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to the folks at home who love Fate. 
maybe we can get Caitlin on one of these and she can she can talk it up because she enjoys it more than we do I think yeah I I mean I found things to like about like Unlimited Blade Works I thought Rin was a really good character and they had some other characters who actually had some like uh, character conflict going on yeah uh, which was interesting but Babylonia just there's 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 none of that it's just like all the bad parts condensed into a single anime that's too bad I was hoping the stuff with uh, Gil would be interesting but sounds like not so much yeah the, the conflict like it, it doesn't make like it's a bunch of time travel shenanigans too so it's not like we're going after a big grail and like you know people are backstabbing each other to get to it too so it, like even the 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 pursuit is hard to understand too yeah it's bad uh and it's just doing like i, I can't think of anything extremely bad but it's just doing the usual like fate kind of randomly like just there's just a bunch of sexy characters all around a lot of them of questionable age uh <laughs> yeah the costumes i have seen the screenshots so yeah rin for some reason now i know she like combined bodies with a goddess or something and then rin's personality was subsumed by the goddess so rin doesn't get to be a character anymore but they still get to use her character design and she oh wears a bikini God. everywhere uh so yeah i don't like that yeah i don't she care for that either I probably the rin. best character in in unlimited blade works so and zero too she was cool in zero so i would be if she was back i would be kind of excited for that but it's not her it's just her character design which feels gross that's too bad i was i was hoping that one would would build on itself well because i didn't have a chance to try it but i wanted to see what other folks had to say i know some people are excited about uh gilgamesh and oh my god i can't remember his kiru yeah yeah um i can't really speak to that but there might be something there that people would be looking for um so caitlin might be able to write up something i feel like if it was notably gay i would have seen it on my timeline but (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah maybe if uh if anna twitter isn't popping off about it then maybe there's not much to enjoy well i mean if you're gonna keep watching it keep us posted maybe it'll pull itself together at Um, some point but you kind of have to it's fate so yeah yeah that's fair (sighs) it is part of your job quite literally (laughs) Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, Peter, you kind of already gave your uh, feelings about Cautious Hero, and we do need to jump through these a little bit quicker. Um, I was really high on Cautious Hero after episode two. I thought episode two was had moments of like Slayers-esque brilliance that made me very, very excited. And it almost immediately fell apart in episode three um, because... Like you said, it's just it's really just the same joke over and over again. The characters don't grow. Um, they're mm-hmm. they started off kind of like both being somewhat endearingly awful, um, and then by the third episode, um, the protag is the dude is because I still like I, I still like Rista the goddess a fair yeah. bit, but she's pretty she's much good. just there to like scream about how wild um, the the protag is i can't believe i've blanked on his name he's so generic um, who would who would bother Saya? is it Saya? Saya. yeah that yeah. sounds right but he's just like by episode three like he's just he's just being a jackass to people like there's nothing in the first couple episodes you got the sense of like oh he actually does kind of care about you know uh his mission and helping people he's just sort of callous about it and and doesn't always understand cause and effect and it was kind of amusing um jamie is on fire was one of the funniest things i laughed so hard my roommate came out to check on me um oh when he set fire to the village yeah he sets fire to the village because he wants to make absolutely certain they're dead they're dead and then there's these shots of like 
it's like the market is on fire. Jamie, the fruit seller, is on fire. <laughs> and then I think just the fact that they gave the character a name just so they could set him on fire, and so and big then, cabbage and then man of, vibes. God, right? And then Rista's like, "You have to stop. Jamie is on fire." Um, and Jamie was fine. They put the fire out, and then they got chased out of the village, and little kids threw rocks at them. And I was like, "This is this is great. This is a very amusing dynamic." Where like they go into towns and they technically save the town, but they make a big mess of it. Again, very Slayers vibe. Um, but Saya just sucks and isn't very fun. And they brought in some new characters who I was hoping would. Um, inject some life into the story and they're really just also there to react to how how absurd Saya is with his cautiousness and so yeah I, 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 fin- I somehow finished episode 5 even though I did not want to finish it I was done about halfway through I was like I'm done but I'll go ahead and wrap this one up and I just I don't care anymore and it's, it's a bummer because again I was I really enjoyed those first two episodes but it didn't have anything else in the tank but that one joke basically it, it, and it was kind of a bummer because like you know it's one thing to be like yeah they're all awful people you know i too enjoy always sunny but the fact that rista despite being a goddess has no ability to change the course on anything except be color commentary started to be what was especially grating about the one jokeness of it and also i think the i hit the limit i hit was when he had the uh the training arc with Cersei's. Um, oh, the, the sword yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was when things started to sour for me. Yeah, yeah. and it was mm-hmm. like maybe it was actually good that he was such a relentless dickbag. Maybe that was actually good for this guy that he tormented. And like they they make lip service towards you should apologize, but that's never actually shown. So it's so very clear that the show does not care about him being a better person, except when the me- mechanics of the one plot beat require it. And then I was like, well, I'm done. His, his cautiousness is almost always justified because uh, it, it turns out like, oh no, like what he did was actually smart and the right strategy, which kind of like deadens the overly cautious part. And then he doesn't ever suffer consequences for the situations like setting the village on fire, kids threw rocks at him. I don't even think he reacted. Like if, no. he was, if he was screaming and running away and talking about how like if a rock hit you in the eye, it could take your eye out because he's overly cautious or something like that, <laughs> then that would be a funny aspect to the cautiousness part. Like if yeah. he... His threat assessment was off or something like that, but it never is, and he never suffers from consequences. He doesn't care about the rocks. So there's no there's no comedy in his character at all, and it's a comedy series, or I think it wants to be. I don't know. It was. It just, again, it, it had a joke, and it didn't know how to make more jokes um, or how to make you, you know, endear you to the character so even when it wasn't being funny, you were still having a good time. So that's that's a bummer. I was really excited about that one. So that's that's been my biggest disappointment so far. Um, let's move on, though. Peter, you're watching Blade of the Immortal. How is it? Pretty good? Let's go through these next few quickly, if we can. Yeah, this adaptation's pretty good. Uh, it seems like they, they had enough of a budget to, like, make all the characters look good, got to get some really good voice actors, some good thematic stuff. The opening still sucks, just like the B-Train one, which is unfortunate. Um, and they managed to, like, creatively do some stuff with fighting, so that, uh, even though they can't animate all the cool stuff, they still give it a good vibe. So I feel a lot better than this. I feel like this is a good adaptation as opposed to the first adaptation of Blade of the Immortal. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this manga. Every woman who appears. I don't, I, I don't think there's too many women who die. There's, I mean, there's definitely problematic aspects like the main character, the, the, I got, I can't remember her name. The main character girl. Wow. Um, she's wanting revenge against, uh, the villains for killing her father. And like they raped her mother and took her away. And the very first villain they kill had, like, sewn 
her mother's head onto his shoulder because yes, um, he's he's a crazy Buddhist monk. So yeah, it definitely has problematic stuff like that. But I do feel like um, it does have some interesting character stuff with the female characters, especially God, I'm blanking on literally every character's name. I think the strongest fighter in the series is a woman who uses that three section spear, double ended spear thing. I don't know what you'd call that weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, who kind of has this tragic romance with the main villain. Yeah, all the guys series have uh, really problematic stuff in them, but I, I think he also uh, had, usually has a lot of prominent female characters who he, he makes a really strong attempt to like write out and stuff. Uh, definitely some trigger warnings, though, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually had meant to catch up on this because like, it's beautiful and I could see why it got popular in the extremely gory edgelord 90s but it definitely has a little bit of the stink of a dude who a a dude writer who thinks that the best way to write a strong female character is to like heap a bunch of suffering on them and then that will make them strong and it starts to feel a little fetishy i think uh i don't i don't i don't know if the main girl i wouldn't say she suffers too much she does have this weird kind of like older brother thing going on with the main guy i don't know why i can't remember a single character's name i've read this manga like three times um i'm just blanking on everything today we're just all so tired today it's yeah fine. death stranding came out i haven't got any sleep since um yeah but... pokemon right oh yeah yeah that too um <laughs> doggo. yeah but there's always he's like a girl artist which i feel really gets into a lot of his works as well like daiwar gelder especially and i can't say i'm a fan of his new series that's getting an adaptation uh noise or is that what it's called sound listen to me something like that it's about a woman who runs a radio station and weird shit happens to her and it's very like it really focuses on her embarrassment which i don't like um i was gonna make a night veil joke but now i just feel icky yeah yeah like her her personal shit keeps making it onto the airwaves anyway that's another thing entirely Uh, we're getting a little off track and we are already at the halfway point i'd say most of his prominent women in the series like you get a lot of playtime and usually have uh, like their own goals. I, I wouldn't say too many of them. I mean, there's definitely ones that are suffering, but there's a lot of characters who undergo a lot of suffering in that series. And usually women's suffering is very, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, appropriate for the time. Uh, like one of the the, the, the strongest fighter, uh, her mother was a prostitute and she's got a lot of stuff kind of mixed up with that and whether she should have become a prostitute instead of a fighter because she doesn't like hurting people. And those were kind of her two options. She could have escaped, uh, it was hard to escape prostitution back then, but that was yes, her only was. out, right? Her only out was becoming a professional killer, and she seems to have regretted her decision. What am I trying to say? If you get bothered by stuff like that, the press series probably isn't for you, but I do think that uh, Samura tried to write real characters who are undergoing, like, actual trials and tribulations of those time periods, of course, with, like, supernatural fighting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. I It was one I thought I was going to go back to, and I just, I'm not sure I have the emotional energy for something that is relentlessly grim at the moment, and it definitely felt that way. Um, but it looks like they're doing a good job, so if you liked the original manga, uh, sounds like checking out this anime would be a great plan. Um, speaking of grown-up anime for grown-up people, I'm watching Babylon, and I honestly don't think we have time for me to go into it uh, in any in any great detail. I have no idea what it's doing. It's pretty wild. It's bringing up a lot of arguments that are sort of thematically interesting, but I'm not sure how well it's conveying them. Um, It did, one thing I will point out, uh, 
just going off of our three-episode check-in, was there was worry that basically every female character we'd met up to that point, it was revealed, was the same person. And right. she was she was super evil and, like, was the one who was convincing a bunch of people to kill themselves. Like, the whole, the central concept behind Babylon is basically this debate about whether or not people should be allowed to commit suicide, uh, which is an extremely hot-button topic right off the bat. Uh, and I think this, again, I think, like, intellectually speaking, the series is kind of interesting in the way it's having this, this conversation. Um, it can get bogged down in... Uh, just like lengthy characters talking at each other, but the direction has been pretty good, so it's kept it from from being from getting kind of stale. Um, but the character who kept like who we kept seeing like convincing people to off themselves um, was this evil lady, and she was the only character, and so it was it was a big a big point of concern. Um, they have since then brought in another female character who appears to not be the same lady, um, so. Um, and she is she is on she's very like uh, professional um, working with the police officers who are trying to uh, track down the people who are trying to like make these um, who are trying to like push these suicides through and stuff um, and I like her she doesn't have a ton of personality because she's very like I'm a distant professional who's here to do my job kind of thing um, but she's had some pretty good scenes with the main guy and I mean the whole cast is is pretty cold as far as like being held at an arm at arm's length um, I have no idea where it's going to go. I don't know if I'm going to recommend it. Um, it may completely collapse in the second half, but I am kind of fascinated by it. So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep watching it, and I'll I'll keep you guys posted. I, I'm really excited to catch up on that one. It certainly sounds like it's going down the same path as Kato, but like I'm so here for it. It's it's there. It's a lot. It's it's a lot to take in. So um, I am again kind of curious to see where it ends up going with this central conversation it's happening it's having um, did it start late or something i hadn't even heard of this anime when you were first talking about it it's on it's on anime strike they dropped the first three episodes all at once and then just like two then for two weeks we didn't have any new episodes so i think it kind of got lost in the in the stream i guess oh like vinland um, saga yeah well and it's running on strike so i mean not strike strike doesn't exist anymore it's running on, amazon, on yeah on amazon prime so okay. um but yeah, I mean, I would say if what I just described to you sounds interesting at all, give it a try with the full understanding that I have no idea where it's going to go. <laughs> so um, proceed at your own risk, I guess. Um, and definitely content warnings for the uh, suicide discussion and depictions. It's not, it's restrained. It's not like it's, you know, showing bloodbaths, um, but it, it it does depict them. So just yeah, be aware th of that. There is definitely a full on shot of somebody hanging from a noose at the end of the first episode. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, be aware of that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. That's enough of a show that I have no idea where it's going. So <laughs> um, let's move on to something else real quick. Right. Uh, well, Peter, you're watching this one too. Uh, you were pretty high on uh, Welcome to Demon School Iruma-kun, but it looks like you maybe dropped it, so I'm kind of curious to see what happened there. Um, there's there's literally nothing wrong with it. I'm actually a little bit behind. I watched through episode five, and I think there's up to seven now. Um, it's still perfectly calm and soothing and kind of sweet. Uh, it It's a show for kids. It runs on NHK. Uh, what happened, basically, is I fell behind on everything, and as I was starting to catch up, Adventure Zone Graduation came out. And it's kind of scratching the same itch that Irumakun was, except with actual representation. And so that niche kind of got filled, and I kind of got 
less excited about catching up with the Aruba. Uh, that's that's literally the whole story there. If folks are enjoying it, it continues to be the same thing that it was the three episode. Hilariously, I haven't gotten into the new season of My Hero Academia for exactly the same reason. Um, the Adventure Zone graduation. We're plugging a podcast that has nothing to do with anime on this episode. <laughs> but yeah, it started and I was like, oh, this is like My Hero Academia, but without the bullshit. I'm in. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> so I I completely understand where you're coming from. Peter, are you enjoying Irumakun? Uh, yeah, I think it's actually well-timed because there aren't many shows that are doing the kind of, like, uh, wacky SOL stuff that Arumakun's doing right now. Um, I don't know if I have too much to say about it. It's just fun. Um, it's nice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly popular. I didn't think it would pop off this hard, but a lot of people are watching it. It is nice. It's family-friendly. It's got a very cute aesthetic. It treats its female characters pretty well, although the one who is clearly meant to be, like, the stand-in character for a younger audience, Clara, she's a little much sometimes. Yeah. But just in the fact that she's, like, the bruiser, exuberant character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. Okay. All right, folks. Check out Irumakun if you want a light, supernatural school show. Uh, and family-friendly. That's always nice, because I know we have folks who ask about that a lot, too. Um, okay, real quick, special seven. I got through episode six so I could give a mid-season report. I dropped it. Um, it didn't do anything wrong. It just didn't really do anything right. Um, it was kind. I just kind of got bored. I was not uh, latched onto the characters at all. And there's other things I could be watching, backlog shows I could be catching up on. So I just went ahead and uh, gave it the boot. So um, nothing I need to warn folks about. If you enjoy supernatural crime shows you might like it more than i did that's all the end uh moving on to one that brian and i I think are both pretty high on but i'm curious to see what you have to say here outburst dreamer boys it's so delightful isn't it though it's sleeper hit of the season yeah for sure like it's so it's very silly and i'm fully expecting a samurai flamenco at some point i'm gearing up for it but I, I feel like it's really good at both being very sweet to these characters and also capturing the really losery parts of being a high school nerd. Like, it's just nice. Yeah, I think it does a really nice job of balancing the the humor of these goofball uh, kids who are, you know, over-exaggerating everything, but without making them just, like, one-note uh mockeries like there's 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 some humanity and sweetness in all of their stories um the the kid who loves the idols um i cannot believe i'm blanking on his name uh but he's really into a, a idol game uh sora chan and the episode where he goes to like they go to an amusement park and he meets someone who is wearing like a full body like kigurumi style costume of the idol and it ends up being this like buff dude and I was so worried the show was going to go someplace gross with it but then he's just like completely amazed at how well he knows all of Sora Chan's move and it moves and is like you're my mentor now I want to grow up to be just like you and I was like this is so sweet um, it's so wholesome also uh, I'm fully on board with the headcanon that that kid that kid's going to transition after high school that kid is oh, really yeah. into the idol yeah I uh I mentioned that after the episode. I was like, I'm not 100% sure he just likes Sora. I think he kind of wants to be Sora. Like, as somebody who fully had that mood with Ken from Digimon as a child, oh, oh, honey, honey. Yeah. 
I'm glad I'm glad you see it too because I saw that and I was like I'm not sure this is my lane but that was that was a read I got on him which I thought was sort of sweet so uh-huh yeah, full on. But anyway, that's 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 a that's 100% headcanon, folks at home. I oh, 100%. The show be... is doing nothing with that. No, other than just being sweet about um, these these boys who really like this idol and like know all her dance moves and stuff, like um, which is good in and of itself. Like again, I think it does some nice things in terms of challenging like traditional masculinity and things like that, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, they're all just they're nice boys, and um, it's fun to watch Mizuki kind of. Uh, warm up to them and realize that she's having a nice time in this club. It has Oran high vibes in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, I think, where it's like this girl gets kind of dragged in and at first she's really reluctant, but then she starts to realize that she genuinely enjoys spending time with these guys. And yeah, it's just nice. Yeah. And there's like, it's mostly a nice friendship series. There's a little bit of shippy vibes with, uh, with like the, the Genki boy, the, the Sentai nerd and uh, Mizuki, but mostly it's just, nice friendship stories and it's really it's really good at mixing up its cast and like balancing those in different ways so not all the characters are always on all the adventures yeah i feel like i have a pretty good grasp on all of them because we've had a little bit of time to spend with uh each of them so i'm i'm curious to see how the second half goes they've sort of they've introduced because obviously the stuco are the villains the stuco are always the villains uh they've introduced some villains uh to the club that are sort of threatening the club and there have been a few hints that there might maybe actually be something supernatural going on. Uh, so I'm curious to see if they do anything with that and how the second half of the series builds on the the sort of friendship and relationships that formed in the first half. So it's been delightful, and I wholeheartedly endorse it at this point. Definitely. Um, okay, none of us are watching After School Dice Club, although we do have folks in the Anifem Discord who say it is a very nice week-to-week show, and... I know some people were hoping we would talk about it in, in the mid-season, but sorry, none of us are watching it. Um, but yeah, I've heard I've heard pretty nice things about it, so might be one to check out if you are into uh, soothing cute girl type shows. Um, okay, I guess the next one, Peter, you're you're up to speed on Assassin's Pride, which we had in our It's Complicated category. Mm. Yeah. How's it going? You and Chiaki were pretty excited about this one like three, four episodes in, but your voice now makes me concerned. I don't know about excited. It's it's very weird show. Uh, it hasn't like it's got this weird relationship between the uh, protagonist and her vampire butler trainer thing. <laughs> it's obvious that uh, she has a crush on him, um, but and he's very dedicated to her, but in a very uh, in an appropriate way. Uh, in an appropriate way, you said. In an appropriate way. He does not, he has not done anything creepy so far yet, but you know, the way that the anime frames it is not always fantastic. I was going to say the show had been like, like 100% clean, except in episode six, uh, they had this weird thing where the girls were all at an after school party, uh, and they get attacked by a witch or something, try to escape through the sewer where all of them get all this pink goo all over them. And I assume it is framed very, uh, lasciviously I yeah guess is the word yeah it's a weird scene because they're all afraid that this witch is going to kill them or something but then one of them gets the goo in her cleavage and then everybody starts making jokes about digging it out for her um <laughs> and then it turns out that it was uh it was god what's his name kula it was kufa and rosetti their teachers who i guess didn't like that the girls were having a nice after school celebration because technically it was breaking school rules uh so they took advantage of this one i don't know uh superstition about a, a witch to scare them all i don't know it was kind of like the girls were afraid but also they were doing a lot of very cheesecakey 
comedy stuff at the same time. Wasn't sure what it was going for. Um, seemed pretty mean-spirited from the teachers, and uh, for some reason the anime decided to use that opportunity to also sexualize the four girls who are like 12 years old. Um, oh, God. I didn't know they scene. were that young. Oh, they're they're super young. Uh, Oof. Woof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's real bad. Yeah, so Kufa still isn't creepy, but um, that was kind of a dick move. It seems like the anime's trying to avoid them having doing any sort of romantic stuff, but... But then if the camera's leering at the characters that hard, it... it... It's one of the episodes where you're like, it's trying to have its cake and eat it, eat it too, right? Yeah. 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 Like, well, they're not actually doing anything, but we definitely want to frame this character in such a way that the audience wants to do something. Yeah. Also, I knew yeah. that Chiaki was really big on the nonverbal character who used, like, uh, she would burn pieces of paper and then writing would appear in the air. Turns out she could talk the whole time and she was just doing that f- for fun or something. So that wasn't really, she wasn't mute or anything, actually. It was just a thing she was doing for literally no reason whatsoever because um, she didn't have enough time to do that and just said, oh, fuck it. Um, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so Assassin's Prize is a bit of a mess. Are you having fun with it? Is it an entertaining mess? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious about where it's going because it seems like there's this greater thing about this, like, apocalypse surrounding their city, this, like, eternal twilight and stuff, and these girls are being trained up as warriors to fight something and there's all these like politics like technically she should be assassinated because she's not the legitimate child of the guy whose daughter she is so there's a bunch of political like politics stuff going on right now but it's really just focusing on the girls at school at the moment so i'm wondering if things are going to blow open and get ape shit in the second half or what's going to happen so lots to there's a lot there yeah. Well, keep us posted. You had me at Vampire Butler. Oh, yeah. And you lost me at Creepy Pink Goo. Yeah, that so, was weird. Um, I guess keep us keep us posted on how this one turns out and if the uh, the pros outweigh the cons there. Sure. Um, okay, top two. Uh, I know, I'm, Peter, I'm surprised you're not watching this one. Um, you probably should. Uh, Stars Align is the next one. And Brian and I are both uh, up to speed on this one. Did you mean the show of the season? I mean... Outburst Dreamer Boys is probably still my pick, but I understand where you're coming from. Uh, would you like to talk about it? I I love it so much. Um, no, it I, it's a really beautiful little slice of life show that I think isn't going to hit everybody. Uh, it's not. It, it's one of those shows that you have to sort of be in the mindset for what you're looking for. I think I would compare it to something like. Um, a place further than the universe or bloom into you where it's got that really quiet sort of writing that really just nails the little bits of awkwardness and uh, the struggles of the age group they're writing in this case middle school boys for the most part uh, it has a really good eye for detail i love the pastel colors i do not care about sports or sports anime at all but it has a uh, real skill for using its sports premise as like a character building exercise it gets into a lot of issues about family dynamics and family makeup and familial abuse parental abuse um in ways that feel not sugar-coated or uh you know afraid of their own subject matter but also don't feel exploitative i i feel like it's been really restrained although obviously huge content warnings if you're gonna go into this because it can get real raw um it's been very sweet to the team's manager uh who is who is uh queer and has a crush on 
you know, uh, on one of the protagonists. That hasn't really gone anywhere, but I don't really need it to. Like, it's sweet how all the other characters have kind of embraced him as, as part of the team and, and look out for him from bullies. And that makes me feel warm and happy inside. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's really, really good. If I had any knocks against it, it's had, had, that it has... Well, first of all, there was the controversy where they stole an idol's dance and put it in their ending theme. That's not a great thing that they did. Uh, yeah, but- they stole a few dances and didn't even like contact people to tell them this was happening. Yeah, so that was so, that was like- a bad thing they did. Yeah, which sucks because that ending theme is really really cool. Like the different the way they animated everybody dancing tells you a lot about their characters. It's very dynamic, and then mm-hmm. it turns out they stole it from a bunch of like semi pro or amateur, like, dancers and idols who had posted these videos online. Um, Private so. creators, yeah. That, that was sucks. quite the narrative with that ED, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks, because I love that that uh, that ending. It was it was such a good little character snapshot. Um, I, I was really pleased in the most recent episode that they finally have done something, you know, in a sports anime where you have one fat character, there's such a danger to make them either the butt of the joke, or in this case, she was kind of a flat villain, but they finally started to go into her character, and she's got a great, cute design, and I really want to know more about her. So it's just, it's just a show that feels special. It's it's one of those that I feel like we've gotten just a handful of really special feeling shows this year. Yeah, uh, I agree with all of that. My... My one thing with it, which it was, there's really just been one episode, and it was a couple back at this point, which by the time this airs will be like three back. Um, It was the one before they started, before the scrimmage, um, where I started to get the feeling that, a little bit like Sarazanmai, it had maybe bitten off more than it could chew in its 12-episode run, um, where it started to throw in some additional backstory information for some of the side characters in a way that was sort of disjointed, like the scenes didn't flow very smoothly from one to the next. Um, like you said, Vry, I really liked the scene with the uh, the Stuco Prez. Like, I thought that was good to get that, but it got dropped in between two scenes about the tennis club and there was no real transition there, so it was a bit jarring. And then the co-captain of the tennis team, I have a terrible time remembering anybody's name from Stars Align, um the co-captain all of a sudden starts monologuing about his uh, like backstory with his parents and finding out he was adopted. And it, it did not have the natural naturalistic quality that the show had had up till that point where I thought all the conversations were really well done. Um, so I think, I think it's a little, it's very ambitious in ways that are usually really good, but I think it, uh, I think there are times when it has maybe a few too many, it wants to, it wants to, Every character in the show is a real person, and it wants to give you lots of that background information, and I think that the way it does that sometimes is a bit clumsy. Um, That having been said, it has also uh, made me tear up a few times, and when it hits its its mainline story beats, it hits them incredibly well. Um, The scene where... um, the two protags stand up against the the one kid's abusive father was so good and tense and just like a very nice emotional moment for those kids and friends. oh i know um, so it's it's very very good that episode was the first time when i went uh-oh you maybe are trying to do a little too much um and so that is my biggest concern in the second half of the show is if they've either set up too many 
points that they're not going to be able to touch on or if they're going to keep trying to expand the supporting cast in a way that like draws away from the central story which is very very good and strong on its own um so i'm a little concerned with how it's going to bring everything together at the end but because to my knowledge it's only one core um but um it's it's obviously a series that a lot of thought and care was put into it and overall i think it's executing itself exceedingly well yeah i think i think uh one of the the biggest problem the show has is with transitions and like I was thinking of it visually and that sometimes sometimes scenes will just fade to black and that will be the end because they ran out of things to say with that scene but I think you're also right in that it applies to stitching certain good ideas together in a way that that flows because like it, it so clearly wants to uh normalize non-normative family units and and that's why it keeps bringing these things up and i think that's admirable but you're right it totally gets clunky in certain places and i i made a joke on twitter that like i can't wait for them to all have the exciting team uh bonding exercise of hiding a body and i was joking (laughs) (laughs) but like i do wonder if it'll be like oh maidens and sort of reach a point where it's like oh shit we have all this really complex emotional drama and that's the kind of stuff that just takes years to work out we're just gonna contrive a big event so that the show can end and like if they kill maki's dad i'm okay with that That would that would be a hell of a conclusion. Um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past Akane uh, to to do that, but I mean, we'll we'll see where it goes. So yeah, that's overall really 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 good. Um, I have a few concerns going into the second half, but um, at this point, I would it's another one I would recommend. With again, like you said, some some definite content warnings for abuse because while it's not sensationalized, uh, it is not. Uh, it is shown like it's they also show it so um, yeah be be aware of that going in for sure physical and uh, emotional abuse too because uh, not not Maki's glasses kid I remembered one name and that's all I've got Uh, his his mother is definitely emotionally abusive and that that can be those scenes are rough too in a different way yeah yeah that's also very true so Okay, so that brings us to the top of our list. And I, gosh, is this the only show all three of us are watching? This is a weird season. Um, Ascendance of a Bookworm. I talked about this in the premiere review. I've read the first three light novels. I don't want to, I'm worried about, my context is different. So I'm a little hesitant to talk about it. So y'all, go. How you liking this one? Uh, It gives me, it reminds me that Isekai can be good sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's, um, I've been, yeah, I mean, I did the, the three up right up for this, uh, and my feelings are still basically the same. I, I really like that this is an isekai that remembers that a lot of what makes the genre interesting in is the ways in which the protagonist has to struggle to adjust to this new world and doesn't have everything handed to them. Uh, I like that it places such detail and, uh, you know, and importance on feminine coded work and products and what a mover and shaker of the world those things can be when so so often these kind of fantasy isekai are focused on you know masculine coded stuff like uh crop labor or fighting or travel like lutz wants to do here you know so it's it's a really nice change of pace on that front and i like that it i i think it can still be a little bit uh I think it can still slip into some gender norms in places, but I feel like it's really trying uh, in in how it wants to support uh, mine 
and what she wants to do and like give a sense of freedom of what she wants to do and like there are options even if these certain trends tend to happen and I'm come I still feel a little bit weird about what the show wants to mine's emotional maturity still feels flexible in a way that frustrates me sometimes I think that I think that she and Lutz are very cute uh, I, I like that they support each other um, I like that the, the scenes they have together mine feels very much like just a really smart kid who's got you know a kid's emotional maturity and they have a great dynamic that you know makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside and then she'll have a scene with like Otto or his brother-in-law and all of a sudden have the writing will need her maturity to work in a different way and it, it will all of a sudden leap shot over to what it kind of needs to do for that scene and sometimes that will frustrate me not necessarily because I want it to be realistic but because it makes it hard to put together an arc an emotional arc of how her character is working and how she's adjusting in that way but that's really kind of a nitpicky thing it I don't think it overly affects, you know, making things too easy for her for the plot. And, and the show has had a really strong narrative through line of what it wants to do with her goals. And she's progressing through them in a sensible way that she has to, you know, fight for. And the visuals are, you know, it, it's a it's not a really extravagant show, but I think it looks really nice and it knows how to use color in an appealing way. And her internal monologue is really cute. So, yeah, I'm enjoying this a, a, a lot. I'm glad to hear that. How about you, Peter? Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I like how it kind of is like if Dr. Stone meets uh, Spice and Wolf, where it's like really into kind of like these, I guess, Renaissance era creations, but also like the economics behind them as well, rather than just the technology itself. And at a more realistic pace, rather than uh, Dr. Stone inventing a radio in like half a year or something uh, from caveman technology. And I, I like mine a lot, pretty much what Vry said in regards to her relationship with Lutz. I think it's really good. I like that how all the characters especially seem to, like, a big thing with Isekai is that the main character almost always is solving all the problems almost effortlessly. Um, and mine gets one pulled over on her a lot. Not sure how I feel about this whole, like, magic thing or even the existence of magic in this story. Um, I feel like it's going to serve some sort of narrative purpose later on. Uh, like with this whole like memory reading thing that they established in the beginning of the story. But I, I'm just not quite sure where they're trying to go with that. Outside of that, the show has been pretty much the one I look forward to most every week. So I'm so glad to hear that. I, uh, yeah. So I, I talked about this in my uh, premiere review as well. Um, the, the sentence of the bookworm light novels are some of the very few light novels. I not only read and enjoy, but feel like I could actually recommend to people with very, very few caveats. So I was hoping the adaptation would do a good job of conveying those charms to folks. And, uh, I think so far it has done a nice job. Um, obviously you get more of mine's internal monologue in the, uh, light novels, which is really nice. Um, but I think they've, I think they've, based on what you guys have said too, especially, I think they've done a, a really nice job of building up everybody's characters and um, showing the the importance of the relationships between each other. And uh, yeah, mine and Lutz are so freaking cute together. The anime has done, there's some, been some nice little visual touches. Like uh, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, uh, that scene when they meet uh, Benno, the merchant for the first time. And Lutz is like clearly very nervous. And every time he gets nervous and kind of struggles to answer, mine just, quietly reaches out and gives his hand a little squeeze yeah that was cute. um 
that and I don't I don't remember that being like something that is mentioned in the novels themselves. So I think that was an anime original little moment. I could be wrong there. I may have just not caught it. Um, but I think they're doing some really nice things with the visuals to sort of convey the character relationships really well. Um, and the way they both support each other and want to help each other with their with their separate dreams that then kind of converge together. I think it's it's really well done. Um, the way really all the character relationships I think are really sweet. I like um, the the like one scene we get of Otto with his wife is so great. Oh, I was gonna Be- mention that when she yeah, gets her hair shampooed. She comes out with her hair shampooed and is like, "How do I look, honey?" And he's like, "Mine, you need to leave right now." Yeah, mine. <laughs> about need- time you went home. I think mine <laughs> got yeah. some stuff yeah. to do. <laughs> the the uh, the grown ups need to have some grown up time <laughs> because yeah, my wife is so hot. I uh, laughed I- out loud when that happened. Yeah, and I think I think you run into this with um, a lot of. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this at length in other in other reviews and conversations about shonen and shojo and stories across the demographic lines um, about how sometimes uh, character relationships can be written kind of lopsided or kind of skeevy or and I think I really like the way Bookworm um, both the the friendships and the romances because like let's clearly kind of has a crush on mine but also they're like six and um, I don't think the show is playing it as a romance right now like it's just this really very sweet supportive friendship um but then you also have this this these married couples like mine's parents or Otto and his wife um whose name I'm blanking on right now um who also have these really nice supportive relationships where they both clearly care a lot about each other and and both have their own things like they both have their own jobs that they do um to you know help support the family and it's I I agree with you Bri there's definitely some some bits of gender essentialism in it but I think I think a lot of that is honestly like just internalized subconscious type stuff from the writer um but I think there's I think there's a conscious effort to be like to show kind of an inequality between the 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 different pairs of the relationships on screen which I really enjoy, I really appreciate yeah and I'm surprised how much I miss Tori already I, I miss her I want mm-hmm. her to come back Tori's sweet Oh, there's more characters coming. They're all very nice. Um, I, I mentioned this in um, one of the other group chats, I think. Um, one thing I'm noticing this time through, I'm paying a little bit closer attention to the way the series is kind of dealing with its sort of capitalist hellscape that they live in. Um, and I do sort of like, because some folks were talking in the NFM Discord about how Benno and Otto and everybody are like really concerned about mine's um, health and like, you know, make sure you like keep everyone keeps reminding her to take care of herself. But at the same time, they're like making these complicated business contracts with six to seven year olds. And there's this sense of like them kind of exploiting. Are they exploiting these kids? Like, what is the situation here? And it kind of made me realize how the series, whether intentionally or no, does a pretty interesting job of uh, mining a lot of conflict from pretty much every character is a basically nice sweet person who have just been like fundamentally corrupted by this like aristocratic money makes the world go round uh, very stratified society that they live in um and i think looking at that as the series progresses um will be kind of an interesting element for me and might might spur an article at some point who knows Mm. yeah there's definitely something interesting going on with the fact that uh beto is like, oh yeah, sometimes poor people get uh, mana and it just kills them. And we know about that. That's just a, you know, what are you going to do? Help them with it? 
Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into the magic stuff, because, Peter, I know you mentioned it as a point you weren't super certain about where they're going with it. And truthfully, three volumes into the light novels, I'm not 100% sure either. Um, but I will say I do think it I think it feeds into this ongoing sort of social conflict that we see th- that's woven into the series where, like mine says, not only did the nobles get all the books, the nobles get all the magic. And if you have magic but you don't have the money to to find the proper, like, outlets for it functionally um you just overheat and die um and so i think that it i think that this world has been built in a fairly intelligent way in terms of like showing how deeply hierarchical this society is and i desperately hope that the the series does something like substantial with that as it goes forward because i think that's a pretty fascinating element of the story in addition to just being a a cute fun story about a girl who wants to make books is it just one core i'm gonna i'm gonna be sad I would guess it's just one core, but I honestly don't know. I'm real curious to see where they end it, because I thought they would... I had an idea of where I thought they would end it, but the pace that they're going at right now, I'm not sure they're going to get there. So, um, yeah, I'll be curious to see where they wrap it up. And hopefully it does well, and maybe we get some more later down the line. Yeah, nothing's been announced that I'm aware of. Okay. Yeah, well, and and again, when the rest of the isekai landscape right now is, at best, bookworm, or not bookworm, uh, average... Uh, it is at best like the later episodes of Average where it's fine and very pop culture heavy and the worst is Cautious Hero where it's kind of shitty and very pop culture heavy. Boy, Bookworm is so nice and creative and actually invested in making its world feel lived in and real. It's an extremely sincere story. You feel like the author put a lot of um, passion into it. Uh, the description's in the book, but the the author spends a lot of time in the book lovingly describing like basket weaving or crocheting or like the different methods that mine uses to make paper and like you can you can just tell the author um, is is kind of passionate about these these different craft projects and wanted to bring that into the into the the writing as well as the the character arcs and the relationships which are also very sweetly written. So Yeah. Well, it reminds um, you of nice. how good Chojo Isekai used to be when it still existed. Yeah, it's it doesn't have the same adventure vibe as the 90s shoujo isekai do, but um, it does kind of take you back to that that sense of, like you said, ride that sense of you're thrown into a brand new culture and you have to spend some time struggling to figure out uh, your place in this world and what you're going to do. And I do like that mine is immediately an active protagonist because that was one of the flaws of um, some of the shoujo isekai is they've spent most of the series being reactive before they finally like, and again, that's part of the arc is they develop their own agency and like start to take charge. Um, but it's nice that mine gets into this world and pretty much immediately goes, they don't have what I need. I guess I'm going to have to make it myself. And I will shape the world in my image. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants to read books, you guys, yeah. okay? I support her. I support her. It's a humble image. Yeah. I support her, too. Okay, so we are uh, at the top of the hour. Um, we're technically a little over, but I'm sure by the time we trim some stuff down, we'll be fine. Um, okay, so we are at the top of the hour, so we really don't have time to go into sequels. Um, all I will say is Chihaya Fudu is very good, and Radiant is also very good. Uh Anything you want to throw out there, Peter? Right, I don't think you're watching any sequels at the moment. I'm so behind on Doctor Stone. Yeah, oh, it's good though. Yeah, Black uh, Doctor Stone just finished my favorite arc of the whole story, but the stuff afterwards is good too. So you should keep watching that too. And uh, Black Clover is in the midst of my favorite arc. It feels like early Grand Line One Piece. Yeah, it's very good. Noelle had her big moment, her magical girl transformation. Excellent. Yeah, she kicks some ass. Told off her abusive family. Very good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I that was one I, I tried to get back into and couldn't quite manage, but um, I'm glad you're enjoying it, and I hope that other folks are as well. Um, I think that's going to do it for us, unless there's anything else you guys uh, wanted to shout about before we uh, finished up here. I really like Pokemon Sword. <laughs> Not an... Oh, I, I, that's the other sequel I should have talked about. So I'm watching Pokemon Sun and Moon, and I'm all caught up on the English release. And No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna... <laughs> it's good. Sun and Moon is good. That it was... That's good. all. Death Stranding, um, great anime. <laughs> I've heard some... I've heard some things, but that's maybe oh, that's yeah, a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. I'm not, time. I'm not reading any of that accessory material, and I don't plan to now. <laughs> so that makes it okay. Um, anyway, none of this is neither here nor there. Okay, uh, I guess if that's it, then we will uh, go into our outro segment. All right, folks, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. And if you really liked what you heard, we'd love it if you'd head over to www.patreon.com backslash animefeminist and become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Your support goes a very long way towards making Anime Feminist happen, both in print and in your earbuds. If you're interested in more from the team and our contributors, you can check us out at www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at AnimeFem, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and on Twitter at AnimeFeminist. And that's the show. Let us know what you think of this season so far in the comments, Annie fam, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>